0: Today's episode of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Arena Australia. Arena are the very best swimming brand in the business. Whether you're after the best race suits, racing training goggles, training aids, or even team gear for your clubs, Arena Australia are the way to go. If you don't believe me, just look up on the blocks at the finals of most events at either nationals or international events and you'll see the Arena logo front and centre on the fastest swimmers' race suits. They just are the best. Head over to arenaswimming.com.au right now for all the latest sales and discounts and let them know that Off The Block Swimming Podcast sent you. Take your mark. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr. the extrovert and Ian Ford battling it out down the pool. Thorpe starting to go away from him. Oh, he's blowing him away now. Thorpe's gone more than a meter on Van der Newton's hand. But the signature of all eyes is the great battle butterfly, Susie O'Neill. He's coming back. Oh, he surely can't do it to him again. Shepherd in the white hats, Norton in the black hats, and Francis bullets. I cannot believe he's done that. About, about the whole goes in. Joining me today on the show is one of the biggest names in world swimming and sport here in Australia, along with the Dolphins team over in Fukuoka a month ago. She absolutely smashed it, coming home with four medals, including gold and a world record in the women's 400 freestyle, which was touted as the race of the century and turned into a race between Ariane Titmus and the world record line. It's an honor to have back on Off the Block Swimming Podcast, Miss Ariane Titmus. Ari, Anne, how are you, mate?
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me, Robbie.
0: I'm glad. I always like having you back on. And I'm always very fortunate for you guys, um, you know, especially with the, the heights that you guys are getting to at the moment. And I see you guys are always on, you know, Today Show and Sunrise and all these different things um that you always uh, find time to jump on off the blocks through podcasts with me so thank you very much for coming on um i know you've got a lot going on at the moment in terms of life there's a lot happening you're busy um, with media and all that sort of stuff as well and also behind the scenes how's your day been how have you been um in the last few days obviously off the back of trying to have a break as well
1: yeah i'm well i think i had a pretty good break um you know, you always want longer, though. I had two weeks off and you, you know, oh, shivers, I've got to be back at the pool tomorrow. And you kind of forget where all your swimming stuff is. And, um, but once you're back, you kind of get into the rhythm pretty quickly. But pretty good. Just doing one a day at the moment, really cruisy, just trying to get the feel for the water again. I don't think you can get back into it too quickly. And even though the Olympics is, um, you know, next year, we've still got a long way to go. So um, just trying to still enjoy my life outside of swimming while I can while um, the time of training isn't as long at the moment. Um, but, yeah, still got a bit on outside swimming.
0: Well, yeah, I was going to say, did you get to do much and have a bit of a break? I mean, obviously, and, and I spoke to Kaylee about this the other day, and such is the, what happens when you become pretty much a swimming superstar. And certainly, as I said, you're, you're a sports star here in, in Australia. Um, you, you, The demand for you becomes a lot higher. You know, we want to talk to Ariane. We want to talk to Ariane. Um, did you get much time to at least have a break? Because even though to the outside people jumping on a chat like this and having a talk with me doesn't seem like work, it's still time away from you just going for a walk up a mountain or spending time <laughs> with, with your family. Do you know what I mean? So did you get much time?
1: Yeah, I went away. I had a trip planned to go to Melbourne for a while. Um, I've got heaps of friends and family down there and I'm a massive AFL noffy. So I wanted to get down to see the Hawks play, um, Luckily, they won against the Pies when I was down there, so that was a treat. But, yeah, I went down there and tried to keep my calendar as clear as much as possible. Um, I had a few little bits and pieces booked in, but um, tried to really make it for me and spend as much time with my friends and family as I could. Um, I love going to Melbourne. I feel like it's my favourite place in Australia. So I try to get down there as much as I can when I have the time. So that was nice. And then coming back to Brisbane, it's been good to be back and – It's actually quite nice just being at home and waking up without an alarm and going (laughs) to get a coffee and it's like, what do I do today? And it's such a bizarre feeling, but um, there's always something to do. I mean, I'm moving into my house um, next week, which is tough. I hate moving, but I think Mm. once I'm in, I'll be happy that I'm in.
0: Yeah, I don't blame you. We talked about it before and I mentioned it to you Uh, in in DMs. Yeah, I hate moving. It's it's such a pain in the backside. But you'll be uh, excited, I'm assuming, once you get in there and it's your place so you can start to, you know, decorate it. You find yourself going out and, like, just getting random things and bringing them home and you're like, what did I put that there for? I don't know, you know, (laughs) because now you've got this. You can do it. You don't have someone – know, saying no, I wouldn't do that. So are you excited about that sort of freedom to be able to just kind of have a bit of creative control?
1: I'm so excited. I mean, I have I mean, I think probably expensive taste, which is bad when you're (laughs) trying to set up your house because I didn't realise the cost of a chair. Like, you know, like I didn't this is just adulting things and I didn't realise how much a dining setting costs and chairs and lamps and stupid little ornaments that you just need because it looks good. Um, Mm. So that's definitely taking up my time at the moment. But it is fun, like you said, trying to make the place your own. And I can truly have control on that and not have, you know, someone in my ear saying, no, I don't like that. It's like, no, stuffy, this is my (laughs) place. Um, I'm making it my own and I'm looking forward to just – having some space i mean it's a big move moving out of home i don't think dad's very happy he's in denial um (laughs) but i think i'll I'll be happy to be um in
0: yeah well i'm sure you're not moving too far anyway so it's it's probably not that far to you know to come around and visit um but yeah no you're right about like coming up with i remember when i first moved out and i was so immature i had like um flags of like jim beam and jack daniels up on walls and i remember (laughs) my now wife but girlfriend at the time was like what are you doing? This is disgusting. I was like, "It's my house. I'll have it. How, I'll have it how I want." Now we look back and think, "Oh my god, that was just yeah, poor choices, Ariane. <laughs> I'm sure you're not having Jim Beam flags up on your wall, so you should be fine. Um, you mentioned there in terms of trying to find downtime, and I think this is the third time I've, I've had a chat with you, and um, over the years, and I remember I think one of the first times we had a chat, it, you know, it was very much. Um, swimming dominated and you know what do we do away from swimming and you're kind of like no I like swimming swimming's you know kind of my fun time which I'm sure it still is because you're not breaking world records unless you're enjoying what you're doing but over time with maturity have you started to realize like okay no I, I need to find space away from it as you said going down to Melbourne and really trying to switch off
1: yeah I think that's something that I've really as a person grown into, um, especially since the Olympics, I think in the lead up to Tokyo a few years ago, it was all swimming because I felt like I had such a mammoth task ahead of me to try and win the races that I did. So my mind was very much um, had swimming at the forefront, whereas after the Olympics, I took a break and I don't I think I realized how much I prioritized my sport in my life. And I had a taste of so many other things outside of swimming that I realized our oh, life has so much more to offer and I've definitely grown as a person um, outside of my sport, but now it's, I am enjoying a lot more things outside of swimming, but it's also trying to find that balance and that fine line of not doing too much that my swimming, um, you know, is sacrificed. Mm. So that's the thing that I'm trying to manage as best as I get older. I try to make a lot more time for my friends and family. I feel like I didn't really prioritize that before and, I think the relationships that you have that are real um, you really have to cherish them and so I try to be um, the best sister or daughter or friend I can possibly be Um, but then also outside of swimming like I've really dabbled in a few other areas in life that I could potentially um, go down those paths after swimming like the media. Um, I've loved working with you know, a few partners I have over the past few years and just learning a lot more about myself outside of my athletic career, which has been really exciting. Um, so I try to manage that as best as I can. But as much as it's a lot of the time work, it doesn't feel like work because I look at, you know, swimming as my job. So um, that's been exciting for me though to explore that area of my life.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that in terms of finding time for your family and stuff. I remember when I had Libby Trickett on, oh, years ago now, um, but she mentioned about how selfish we were as athletes. She's like, do, do you know how selfish we were? Like, she's like, we didn't do it on purpose, but everything was about us, you know, take, could you take me here and I can't do this because of my, you know, training schedule and everything was like circled around, um, you know, her as an athlete and in ge- athletes in general, it's not just her. So it's interesting you say that in terms of maturity and realizing, well, hang on, I've got to find time for people outside of this as well, because you can get caught up in that bubble a little bit, can't you?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, I don't think we realize what we're doing until someone points it out. I mean, I was um, sleeping in altitude for a period and my dog, um, a family dog can't obviously go in the tent, but she's so precious and anxious that if no one's home, she uh, other than me, she has to be near me. So, someone else had to be home while I was in the tent. Otherwise I couldn't go in the tent. <laughs> and so that's like your whole family's life kind of gets derailed yeah. because of my swimming. And so I think that is part of the reason why I'm leaving as well, because I think I can just do me, um, you know, I can sleep when I want, nap when I want um, that type of thing, but it is quite a selfish lifestyle. I feel especially swimming which is predominantly an individual sport I mean it, it does feel like we're training a squad and we've got a massive team around me but it is an individual sport and so I think it kind of has another element of selfishness as well so I've tried to I guess catch that out before I've retired and not look back on my career and have regrets in the way I've treated people and um, yeah just trying to make sure that I'm a better person than I than I am swimmer
0: yeah, well, it just sounds like you're being more conscious of it, which I, I think is all we can do, right? Like, I think you're not alone. Like, everybody gets caught up in in business and you want to make the biggest deals and you want to get this. Or if you're in real estate, you know, you want to make, you know, but you've, if, as long as you're conscious of, of things going on, you can sort of catch yourself. Um, it's not always a fine line or a great balance, but as long as you're conscious of it. Um, the sports, you know, you are saying you're in, down in Melbourne. Did you get to watch much of the Matildas play? Um, obviously smashing attendance records, TV ratings. You must've been proud, uh, to see that. And did you get to go to any of the games?
1: I ended up going to the, uh, final here in Brisbane against France with, I went with Nike, um, one of my sponsors. So I got to bring dad along as well. And it was insane. Like I had never been to a soccer match at all, um, live, And um, it was really cool to be on the other side of the experience, like not being the athlete down there, feeling the nerves and the pressure and having kind of the the weight on your shoulders. It was cool to be on the other side and and feel the emotions that sport brings. Um, I have never been so nervous watching something in my life and I'm not typically a soccer fan, but just being amongst that atmosphere and actually being with the Nike crew who work very closely with a lot of the girls and Football Australia, it was cool like being really close to home and um, being around people that were invested personally um, but I loved it and I just feel like this is they've created such a great runway into the Olympics next year um, people I feel like around Australia are really hyped up with not just women's sport at the moment but sport in general and mm. I think the Matildas have definitely opened the door especially for women's sport um, even para sport like open people's eyes up to um, what we can do as athletes and so um, that's really exciting I mean I feel really privileged that as a swimmer I've never really felt that um, gender disparity I feel like swimming's always being quite um, equal I mean we're offered the same events um, we're paid the same it's all based on um, results and world rankings and time so I feel like I had never really been exposed to that inequality um, like athletes in other team sports so I think it's been really cool to see the response to um, the girls playing and I guess just the legacy they've left behind and hopefully it continues to grow.
0: Yeah, I hope so too. I hope they build off the back of this and uh, really get behind it. But certainly there's got to be a payday coming for those girls because they smashed it. They did it. They brought the ratings. They brought the attendance. they, They brought all of those things. So uh, there's got to be equal um, money going around especially as i said even just for these games and making sure they get around it so uh yeah they absolutely smashed it um question though if you weren't a swimmer what what other sport i mean would you be would you dabble in women's afl at the moment because you're an <laughs> afl fan
1: oh uh, look i'm a massive footy fan but i'm probably the most unco person you'll ever meet <laughs> there's no wonder like i don't i swim i mean i don't have any gravity involved like there's no one in my way <laughs> probably chose the best sport for someone who's a Gumby. Um, (laughs) Look, I'd probably I love that you said Gumby.
0: There's a lot of kids listening there like, what's a Gumby?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Look, I love watching tennis. Like, I love tennis. I actually don't mind watching golf as well. I mean, I feel like they would be good sports, but you're actually away from home a lot though. So, But the payday is a lot better. So if I was Mm. to go down another path, maybe I'd this time choose a sport that actually- pay as well <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> i know i did i did it came to my attention that you picked two sports that were much better paydays and you're not alone there there's you know so many parents um when i talk to them about their kids whom they're always like oh, i'm trying to push them into tennis or something else something that might pay a little bit better uh, so, no, you're, you're not alone there. Um, mate, let's get to, obviously, the amazing uh, world champs in Fukuoka. And I, I wanted to start, I guess, by asking you how you felt going into the meet, um, you know, Aussie trials in Melbourne. We hear a lot of different athletes, you know, maybe some are injured, some are sick, and, I mean, I, I don't know you well enough to know what's going on behind the scenes. So, coming into Fukuoka, you know, how, how were you feeling? Did you get a sense of that you were on um, or did you, you know, we, we spoke to Kaylee about sort of feel for the water and sometimes they're not feeling the best and then wondering, wait, am I on? I don't know. I'm hitting my times but I don't feel like it. H- yeah. How did you feel heading into Fukuoka off the back of trials?
1: Oh, I think my swims at trials, I certainly didn't have the best lead up I'd ever had up to um, a trials, I think, all the way back since the beginning of the year, I just didn't really have my life in order as such um, personally. I, and it was taking, my swimming was therefore taking a bit of a hit. Um, and I just didn't really feel like I was myself at training or couldn't really like extract the best work out of myself. My mind was just elsewhere. Um, and I really tried. It was like, there was like a, I don't know, a glass barrier above me. And I was like trying to break through and like find myself. And um, I went to trials, and I kind of felt like I was fake believing in myself. Like I believe that I could swim well, but it was almost like I was lying through my teeth um, to myself about what I was capable of. And I think the results showed like I, um, my 400 was okay, but my race plan certainly didn't go to plan. Like I never usually fade in a 400. Um, My 200 was like so, so my 800 was probably my best swim to be honest. Um, And I didn't have the speed that I would typically have over a hundred meters. So I think that my meet at trials was kind of the kick in the guts that I needed to be like okay you're not you're not going to do well in 6 weeks time if you're if you're if you've got the same attitude. So I went back to Brisbane and tried to really put things in order and um, started to really feel myself and then um, went into training camp in Saga and I just kind of like I think when I hit um, staging I just went into just like you know, competition mode and had probably the best three weeks of work I've ever done in my life. Um, I just, things clicked into gear and I, um, you know, I was really connecting with the water and um, was quite focused on not just hitting my times in training, but how I was hitting them um, and just felt very at one with the water. And so then going into the meet, I had good confidence in the past six weeks, but you kind of wonder whether you left it too late. Um, so I was confident but I still um, didn't really know like how I was going to go. But I remember diving into the comp pool for the first time once we got to the, um, the um, comp pool and it was packed. There was people everywhere so it's really hard to kind of see how you feel but I got a bit of clear water going up one lap and I was like, Oh, this is on like this, this feels good. Like I felt really high in the water and I I love diving into those pools where it's super deep. You feel like you're swimming really fast. And, um, I was like, okay, this pool's great. This is going to be fun to pull to race in. And then, yeah, I guess the stage was set and I just kind of went into the 400, um, just really ready to go, like really excited. And then, um, once something got started, then I think I just, after that first day, just had a big Mm -hmm. confidence
0: boost. Well, you mentioned obviously um, sort of trying to snap yourself out of it. And is that something that obviously for you maturing that you sort of catch yourself? We talked about being more conscious of things before. Is that sort of you catching yourself and switching yourself on? Is that a chat behind the scenes with Dean where Dean sort of pulls your side and says, hey, mate, what's happening here? Do we need to switch on a little bit more? What, what does that look like? As I said, is that sort of just internally or is that something where you've got to work with your team around you as well?
1: I think uh growing up as a person I think that I'd never really exposed my myself to things outside of swimming before that could distract me from swimming I was just swimming was it like it was that was my number one and I wouldn't let anything derail me from that but I think it probably is good now that I kind of had this period of time um because it's taught me a lot um you know I I have to experience things outside of swimming and so for it to kind of, um, for me to have this experience this year and for things to so me not be going the way I want them to go. Um, I learned a lot about myself as an athlete and as a person and what I need to, um, you know, steer clear from, from the next tw- for the next 12 months going into the Olympics. But certainly I had many conversations with Dean, like he was frustrated just as I was. And um, he's there trying to like snap me. It's not just one conversation. It, it's mm. constant. Um, we have, such a close relationship that he can sense when there's one tiny thing off with me even if I don't even realize it myself and he's the first person to be like hey like this is not good enough or what's up or just an ear for me to talk to um he's kind of the person I go to so we work together um and yeah got out of it in the end and um you know things kind of fell into place right at the perfect
0: time Fell into place. All right. We'll get to that race in a moment. And just quickly before we get to that, um, obviously on day one, incredible effort in the 400. I'm curious, as I said, before we start this, just about your training leading in. I know, you know, we're always um, wary of giving away too many secrets and I know Dean's always listening just to make sure that we don't. Uh, So Dean, I I won't, don't worry. But Was there any sort of shift in training, um, it just seemed to me that you had a bit more speed on the front end. You were getting out a little bit quick. Obviously, your back end was there as well. But you just seemed, obviously, the world record shows it, that you were a little bit quicker as well. Did your training evolve and, and change following the Olympics and looking at a way to get out a little bit more? Or am I looking into it too much and you're just feeling good and way you went?
1: I don't think I had any intent on trying to create more easy speed for myself. I feel like I'd done similar work than i that I'd done before, but I felt like I potentially had more intent um, in certain areas of the of the races when I was swimming. Um, but I think the way that I swam that four hundred quite aggressive from the start, but but had the the back end in me as well. I think it was I think that was all probably um, nerves and adrenaline. Honestly, like I, you know, I could have had the same preparation but gone in to race at a local meet down down the road and I would have not swum as fast because I just had so much extra energy and boost from the nerves around the race that I think that's what really helped me have that um you know I guess um extra boost for the first part of the race and um that back end in the end.
0: Yeah, well, the back end was definitely there. But, yeah, as I said, just out a little bit more and we'll get to um, Summer McIntosh in a second. I think that might have been why she spun her wheels a little bit, just trying to keep up with you, mate, because you, you were out and you were flying. I mentioned it was billed as the race of the century and this is no disrespect to the other girls. It just didn't pan out that way. Uh it turned, as I said, into you and in a race between you and the line. You sort of, I guess, touched on it then. Um, did you get a sense going into it that this was a big race feel because it was certainly built that way in the media and people around everyone's like well this is the race personally i was very excited for the 200 i thought that was a more one where everyone was coming together i had a very strong feeling that you were i was confident in the 400 for sure which as i said turned out that way so well done to me um (laughs) but, but did you feel that coming in did you feel like all right this is a big race feel
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I try to block out the noise as much as I can in the last few weeks up to racing. I um, don't – I mean, I never really read anything, um, you know, any of the hype or the media. Um, But then I kind of logged off Instagram and Facebook and all that type of stuff a couple days out just to try and avoid the noise. Um, But I I knew that there was a lot of eyes on us going into it. I mean, why wouldn't there be? If I was a swimming fan watching that race, having – The current and two previous world record holders all racing against each other kind of all in the same form um it is very exciting for the viewers so i understood that but i it was really bizarre like i just felt really excited to be a part of it and just um, ready to see what i could do and i just before the race i'll never forget i was in the team area Um, getting ready to warm up and Dean and I were going through my race plan and I was sitting there and I just started like crying and I don't know I still don't know why but I think it was just the the build-up the emotion Um, I was really nervous not the most nervous that I had been but I was really nervous but I feel like I'm pretty good at turning those nerves into energy and I because I truly thought that the race would be a dogfight. I was prepared to go out there and put myself on the line because I thought that it was going to be coming down to the last five metres, honestly. So I think that's why I was so ready to go from the first lap um, because I thought that's what it would be. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I just just felt so prepared to go and so prepared to be fearless and, and race like I was that youngster that took it to the older
0: girls. I love that. Um, you mentioned before intent in in the f- sort of the front end of that 400. It wasn't so much that, you know, you went out and you you'd trained to be faster. You just had a bit more intent. Intent where? Was it intent in certain areas? Was it intent in and out of your walls? Was it intent? Where, what You know, when you say intent, what were you sort of focusing more on, on that front end? I
1: think more so I backed myself in and I trusted that if I um went for it I'd have enough in the tank at the end like I, w- I wasn't scared that I would fade I just I don't know intent in all areas like I just was willing to put myself on the line I was willing to hurt I was willing to feel the feels of what a tough race is um because I wanted it I guess so and you know leading up to the meet I know that I um the, the previous year, I didn't go to world championships. I mean, I raced at Commonwealth Games and I had a great um, 200 and a great split in the relay, but my 400 was a little bit off. So I feel like I'd kind of fallen under the radar a little bit for a couple of years since the Olympics. And I think there were a few people that doubted me going into the 400. A lot of people probably thought I was going to come away with the bronze medal. And I just really wanted to, you know, show people that, you know, no, I'm here, um, I'm ready. I'm part of this race as well. And, um, yeah, I think that's where the intent was from.
0: Well, what I also love about that, and, um, you know, if any of your competitors are listening, it also tells them that in 11 months' time, they better be willing to go through the hurt and the pain because it's not always going to feel good. And that's what you sort of set yourself up for, if that makes sense. You know, sometimes, and you hear it a lot on the podcast here, um, you know, world record and how did that feel? Actually, it felt really easy. Like, it felt really good and it always feels good when it's a world record, but, Um, You you were sort of willing to put yourself on the line and go, well, this is going to hurt, but I'm going to get in it and I'm going to enjoy it. So I love that part about it. And I can imagine breaking a world record, becoming world champion the first times are always really special, right? But I, I can also imagine there's something deeply gratifying about getting back up defending your title um you know getting that world record back again when it appears you know especially the other girls around you they're amazing they're coming for it summer mackintosh again which i'll touch on in a minute had broken the world record earlier you've got katie ledecky who's always just she's there she's not going anywhere it doesn't matter it could be 2028 20, and i think she's still going to be right there next to you um how gratifying was it for you to get your hand on the wall, obviously climb that mountain again, if that makes sense. Like, as I said, it's special the first time for sure, I wouldn't know. I'm not a world record of anything, but I'm imagining the first time you're like, Oh my God, look what I did. But when you do it again, is there a, a different sort of gratifying sort of sense about it?
1: Yeah. I think the first time for me, I knew that I was kind of in reach of the world record, but it wasn't something that I was really thinking about. So when I did it, it was more so like excitement and, Um, you know, joy and happiness and, like, oh, like, I've done it, like, wow. But then this time was more so, like, I guess I was after it. Um, I think the climb to the top is hard but to stay at the top is extremely hard and that's where I just have so much respect for Katie because she's been doing this for over a decade now and I just um, deeply respect the work that it would have taken um, for her to stay at this level. And so... For me, it was more so about um, trying to like get back to where I was. I guess um, it was relief. I think that I got the world record back. I mean, I remember, I remember when I got broken, and it, it's definitely not a nice feeling. But it's not the end of the world. Like it's a world record. It's not like I got diagnosed with a terminal <laughs> yeah, illness or yeah, that yeah. type of thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's just swimming in at the end of the day. But um, it's still not a nice feeling. I think that um. That kind of gave me the extra fire that I needed probably to get, give myself a bit of a kick in the backside and get going um, for the meet.
0: Yeah. I mentioned Summer McIntosh, and she didn't really fire in that final. She finished fourth. Erica Fairweather got the third, um, which I'm a big fan of Erica Fairweather from New Zealand. I think she's on the rise there as well. She's doing great stuff. Um, But she's a phenomenal talent, Summer McIntosh, and obviously uh, had a great week in her own right at the back end of it, but obviously didn't start the way she would have been after. Um, And no doubt a massive moment for her, you know, up against yourself and, and one of the greats, Katie Ledecky. Uh, What advice to the listeners do you have out there when they find themselves in positions, maybe not exactly that position of Summer McIntosh, but where they find themselves in a massive moment in their career? So they've done really well leading up to it, they're on fire, but all of a sudden this moment feels a bit different, which I can assume for her this would of, that was sort of that first time of everyone meeting together, right? She'd done a great job outside of that, but all of a sudden, uh-oh, yeah. this is a moment. You've been there in those moments yourself. What what sort of advice do you have for the younger swimmers when those moments arrive?
1: Well, for one, I truly back myself in. I think you have to train in a way that you can stand the, behind the blocks without any doubt. Um, and if you do stand behind the box with doubt, then how are you supposed to have the confidence in yourself that you can put together the race that you want to? So that's the number one thing, um, the preparation. Helps you with your mindset on the day. Um, but two, I really try to just focus on myself and what I can do. I can't control what the others do. I mean, if I went out there and swam that swim, went three fifty five three, but some, Katie or Summer beat me, they beat me, and I still did an unbelievable swim. And I could not control what they did. So um, really dry, just try and control what you can control. But then I think this one is really important to me. Um, obviously, when you're racing someone, they're your competitor, they're your rival. You look at them as your rival. But I try to really look as, as at someone that I'm racing as the person they are outside of the race. And um, I would never, ever treat someone differently because I race them or because they're my rival. I try to... Um, you know, see them for who they are as a person. that's really important to me. Um, So, yeah, I think like in the lead up to the racing or at the marshalling room or in the medal room, like it's nice to have a chat and be friendly and and not treat your rivals like rivals. Um, I think that's really important to me um, as well.
0: Do you think that helps you not put them on a pedestal? So when you're standing next to them, you're not thinking, holy shit, like I mentioned the first time you started racing Katie Ledecky. It's like, oh, God damn, yeah, I'm racing Katie Ledecky where you're walking out and you can kind of go, oh, oh, hey, Katie, you know, good luck, you know, where it sort of takes her off that pedestal a bit.
1: Yeah, and at the end of the day, they're just like me. You know, we're all just living our dream, having fun, swimming, training hard. Um, And so, yeah, they're no different to... um, who I am. So I guess that's just the way I want to look at it. And I think that swimming doesn't define you as a person. It's just a part of your life. And I think that's why um, I try to have, have this, I guess, um, look on things.
0: Well, it's good advice, mate. And hopefully all the listeners were right, taking notes just there, just write that down, (laughs) especially any of my swimmers that were listening, write that down, write that down. Um, Now the 200 for me, as I said, I I thought that was going to be, you know, for me, one of the most exciting races to watch. Of the week and it turned out to be that firstly on your own performance um you know pb third fastest i think 200 uh, of all time um which is massive in itself you mentioned just before um you know if you put together the race and and maybe someone just gets you you know and that's kind of how it worked out in this race how do you look back on that 200 is that one that maybe you thought you could go a little bit quicker or as i said it was still a A pretty quick race in itself from you. So, how do you feel about it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was still a tiny PB. I think I dropped off 0.08 or something. So, um, still 153.0 is a very fast swim. But I think after my 400, I just was like, okay, I'm on. I'm in this once in a lifetime form. Like you really have to make the most of it. And I thought I certainly had a 152 in me. I think that I set up the first 150 great. I felt like going into that last lap, I'd done everything I could to um, set myself up for a battle on the last lap. It probably just didn't come together on the 450. Um, might have, I potentially might have spun my wheels a little bit um, in the first 35 of the race, but um, I think the best thing is you, you can always take learnings from races, even, the, you know, Molly just had an unbelievable swim and like I said before, um, I can't be annoyed when I've done a PV. Um, But when you're competitive and you're an athlete, obviously you always want to win. So you look at a silver medal, I look at a silver medal and know that I'm capable of um, winning in that race. But you just try to take learnings from everything and I can see areas of that race that I can improve. And um, yeah, look, I certainly came away from the race feeling satisfied with the swim, but not 100% satisfied.
0: Yeah, no, I could, I could tell. There's definitely, uh, you can't change, I guess, your uh, inner sort of, you know, and and you, you're a competitor, so it's not a bad thing. Um, and I think, as you said, you, you know, you you are able to sort of digest it and see that, okay, no, that's all right, I can do better, and but it's still a good swim. And as I said, the fastest 200 of all time, so that's that's still very fast. But we know Molly uh, broke Pellegrini's longstanding world record, 152.85. She came home 28 1 1, which is crazy to me. Um, I'm not going to say who she swam faster than on the way home in the men's because I've said it before and I don't want to, you know, keep saying because it, it <laughs> seems like I'm on a bandwagon. But, and it's not to say that girls shouldn't, it's just phenomenal. That's all I only want to yeah. say because it it's phenomenal. But you've seen her rise um, within the program now and she's now becoming, you know, the dominant woman in women's sprinting in the 100 and the 200. And, um, you know, how proud are you of, of what Molly's been able to achieve?
1: Yeah, Molly came to the program when she was 15 and she was this little backstroker that was very shy, um, didn't really talk much. And she's certainly over the past couple of years come out of her shell and we've all gotten to know um, the real Molly, which is nice. And she just has come leaps and bounds. I feel like she has assets in her swimming that a lot of people don't have. I mean, her skill work in the 200 is unbelievable. Her turns are like no one else's. She's got this incredible kick and incredible ability to change gears in the second half of her races and um i mean i'm glad i don't race her in the hundred as well um because she comes home like a steam train so she's gonna definitely be there next year and it's pretty cool that we get to kind of um see each other every day and and try and like go for this together um but yeah it's, it's it is bizarre that like you know we're training for olympic gold and we're just based in this tiny little school pool complex in Brisbane and it's I just find it really surreal that you know this we're just here training for the Olympics and um yeah it's awesome
0: yeah it certainly doesn't happen every day that's for sure and we're certainly in a a golden period of Australian swimming I think um certainly not since probably 20 years ago when we came through and with all the superstars coming through i think we're sort of getting to that point now and especially on the women's side of things uh, i'm assuming there's a lot of moving parts at st peter so you know different programs and you know distance middle distance speed but do you get much time to sort of say you know have some hit outs with shana and molly and throw down in some speed sessions or you know where you're meeting together because i'm just going to put this out there i'd pay money to sit in the stands and watch a really, really big session where you're all just hitting it out because, you know, as you said, and rightly so, everyone's sort of moving towards that same target. It's probably just something that's known. It's not mentioned every day, like hey, see impact. you know. No, it's yeah. not, it's not, it's known, but it's not mentioned. Um, do you get time to to sort of have hit outs together and, and what's that like for you? Because being a competitor, which I can, I don't, you don't even need to speak it. I can just see it in your eyes. You must enjoy those sort of training sessions where you get to rip in.
1: Yeah, well, I'm separate for a lot of it, so I'm over in the distance program. Um, but then there are maybe one or two sessions a week where we are combined, um, and I do get the chance to race the girls. I mean, not to. I mean, definitely not like Shana and Molly. They're speed over twenty five. Like it's just embarrassing if I go next to them. <laughs> but. Um, Certainly on like repeat 50s, um, you know, best average 200 pace, like I, you know, really stick with them, which is fun to try and stick with the faster girls. Um, But I also like the separation as well because it means that like I'm not always comparing myself and I can just, you know, go over and train with a distance group up against. There's a few younger boys in the distance program that are, are just a tad faster than me so it's good to be around them and then there's a couple of girls that are good and sometimes like you know, we go next to each other and they try to, you know, jump onto my tail. So that's fun. Um, but you, we're always kind of intertwining if Dean does like a hybrid. So it's cool to kind of get the group all together.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, there's too many moving parts, so I can't imagine that it's all the time. But, yeah, I could just imagine when everyone sort of gets together, as I said, I'd pay money. I'd sit in the stands and just watch because I think it'd be <laughs> it'd be entertaining and it'd be exciting to watch. Now, the 800 uh, third, uh, another great effort from you on day seven uh, this is becoming a pretty massive week for you when you'd put together the four by two as well. And I'll, I'll get to that in a second, that phenomenal relay, but you know, what did you think about your 800 and how much does it hurt to finish the week with that race?
1: Yeah. The 800s tough because I definitely favored the 400. Um, as my favorite event. Like I just love racing it. And then, the 200 is such a challenge for me because I'm coming down and racing girls that typically have a lot more speed than I do. And then the 800 is just a tough one to finish the week off with because it hurts a lot. And so I just don't think I was in potentially the correct mindset to put together um, the 800 that I was capable of. I was I was pretty tired, to be honest, but um, I don't think I had the same, you know, we used the word intent before, but I just don't think I had the same intent for the 800 as the other two. I um, like I shouldn't have let the Chinese girl swim over the top of me. Like I pride myself on having a great second half to my races and that just shouldn't have happened. And um, but potentially winning a bronze medal was a good thing because now it leaves me unsatisfied in that race. And I feel like I've got so much areas, so much area to grow in that race, but more than the other two. I feel like there's a lot of room in the 800 for me to move and find time that I can shave away. Um, so, That keeps me excited on my toes next year because the 800, um, it's not my favourite race out of the three of them, but um, I've had great success in it internationally and it's something that I still train for, want to be successful in um, and want to be competitive in on the international stage leading into next year.
0: Well, I think the key takeaway too for all the younger listeners out there is that you're still finding a challenge in it. So, you know, the, the one thing we always hear as coaches is like, oh, I don't want to do that race. I don't like it. And the coaches are like, well, I think you've got potential in that. I think you could do yeah. quite well. Oh, I don't really enjoy it. But, you know, whereas, you know, for the listeners, as you just heard, own's finding challenges within it to, to sort of, you know, gear yourself up, right? So while it might not necessarily be your favourite event, you're finding ways to challenge yourself, Um which, you know, as I said, is is a takeaway definitely for the, the listeners. And, you know, I think even looking, I don't know if you've had a look at next year's Olympic program, but I think it's like nine days now. So does that help? Does that spread things out a little bit more for you?
1: Yeah, it does. But I remember the feeling of how I felt um, before the 800 in Tokyo. And I still think that my 800 was my best swim because I was – honestly too tired to even get off off my bed to go to the bathroom the day before the race. Um, I said to Dean, I remember I said, I don't think I can do this. Like I'm just going to go out there and embarrass myself. And so for me to put up a fight and do a PB and win a silver medal, um, I think was probably my best performance at the Olympics. So I'm going to be tired regardless, but it's really all in your head at that point Um, holding yourself to a standard and getting up mentally um but maybe the extra day will help spreading it out a little bit um an extra day of rest but but we'll see but i'll definitely um be there hopefully
0: yeah well it'll be interesting as i said that extra dave that does help some competitors just get a little bit more but um one thing that's always i guess impressed me about you there's a lot of things but the the main thing is always that composure whether it's a result you're after whether it's a result you're not after you always kind of look like you're sitting in the middle certainly to the camera you look that way anyway i don't know what happens when you when you walk away and see you know your family or dean or someone but um certainly to the camera you always sort of look composed is that something that you've worked really hard on to um you know to never sort of be in the penthouse but never be in the shit house either just always try and be in the middle and ride the waves as easy as you can
1: I don't know if I've necessarily worked on it a lot. I just feel like in those moments that that's the type of person I am. Um, I've never been someone to want to do a crazy celebration if I win or... No I'm flexing? Someone...
0: Ariane's not going to be on the, on yeah, the road nah, flexing?
1: Won't be following, you know, Sam Short with the gun show. <laughs> he loves um, getting the guns
0: out, Sammy, oh, does You know what? I'd be too scared
1: to jump on the lane or open fall off or something. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I mean, sometimes you have a natural reaction. I mean, I had a little bit of a natural reaction after the 400. There was a few little piss, piss, fist pumps. <laughs> but um, but I don't know. I feel like I remember my first long-course world championships, um, Budapest 2017, we won bronze in the 4x2 and I was the anchor leg and I was 16 and I was just so excited and I was just on this high and didn't go to sleep all night and had to get up to race 800 heat the next morning and absolutely flunked it did the worst heat ever didn't make the final was ranked so far down and I remember Dean made me watch the final in the stands and um take it all in and be you know this is what you're missing out on and so I never wanted to have that feeling again so I've really taught myself especially that turnaround from the 400 into the 200 and then the four by two into the 800 heat the next morning is seriously a terrible backup it it is very challenging to go from a relay last in the program the night before, breaking a world record, and then having to get up the next morning to do a hard 800. Um, so I think I've learned how to compose my emotions for those moments. Um, but yeah, I feel like I'm just not someone who gets too overly excited. And just in life, Dean has a pretty good um, terminology for me. He calls me a self cleaning carpet. Um, and he says that I, I don't really hold a grudge. Like if, if you piss me off, like I, you know, I'll be annoyed for a little while, but then I kind of let it go and we move on. I haven't got time to hold a grudge. So he calls me the self-cleaning carpet. Um, so I guess that's probably like a strength in my personality. Um, so maybe that translates into my swimming as well.
0: Yeah, well, it's definitely one to be able to shake it off as Taylor Swift says and move forward. Uh, <laughs> I think is important for for athletes because as you said, there's ups, there's downs and you know we can all get excited about the good times but you know the the other there's there's you know darker days around the corner not to be glib about it but there is you know we don't always live in the cloud so um i think the way you've got it mate is perfect and great takeaways for the for the listeners there now the world record in gold in the four by two uh perhaps even more impressive was technically i think it might even be nearly a club record now because all four girls St. Peter's, <laughs> you think- Training with Dean, uh, including Kia in the in the heats as well. How proud are you of of the girls, what you achieved, 737, 5-0? Uh, and the depth of talent, you know, uh, we, we mentioned the 4x2, but obviously the 4x1 as well. It's crazy here. And and I've got some people asking me, like, you know, what do you think is happening in the Olympics? What do you think happened next year? I always think, well, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, but I don't see another country knocking Australia off for a long time because of the production line of girls behind you guys pushing to, for you to even get your spot. Yeah, you even mentioned, hopefully I'm there in the 800, which, you know, it seems crazy, but there's a production line of, of obviously great, talented junior girls coming through that are pushing the limits for you girls to even keep your spots.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the reason why our relays have kept this depth for so long because people want to be a part of them. So then it becomes this like challenge domestically to make the team and get on the relay team and it encourages more people to put in and, and then and then they start swimming fast and then it adds to the level of depth and just kind of this continual cycle of people wanting to be a part of these teams because we're, um, you know, most of the time winning, which is an exciting feeling. And um, I know that amongst the group, the girls on the team that are vying for those final positions they want to be in the relay so much. They go out there and put themselves on the line in the heat, swim their best possible swim, to try and bag themselves a spot in that nighttime final. Um, but, you know, I just feel grateful that I am in the position that I swim in an event where I get to experience those relays because it is a feeling like no other being there with you, your teammates, your friends. I mean, this time around, I was with three of my clubmates who I train with every day, which is just so crazy that, you know, we all train together at the same club and we just broke the world record like it's just beyond that we were able to do that so it's just an exciting feeling and kind of pinch yourself stuff and I really pride myself on being a great relay swimmer I feel like I um have the ability to lift in the relays and I'm quite hard on myself in performing for the team and performing for the relay I feel like I have a job to do um you know in the team as one of the fastest swimmers and um you know, I, I looking back at the Olympics, I was so disappointed in myself in how I swam in the 4 by 2 and I felt like I let the team down, not giving them the, the lead they needed. Um, and so I've really tried to make sure that in the past couple of years I've um, got the best out of myself for the team. And I was really proud of my efforts in the 200 relay um, this year. I mean, my split I was really happy with. Um, you know, it was quite quick on my changeover as well, which is something I've been working on. So um yeah just really happy with that relay
0: yeah well so you should be mate as i said flying and good luck to the other nations around you because you know potentially going into next year's Olympics, you got the fastest swimmer in the world and the third fastest swimmer of all time in the same relay so you know good luck to everyone else no you know thanks um but you, you mentioned something and and again I, w- I sort of want to come back to it because I think it's becoming a bit of a theme in this chat that a lot of it is 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 mental preparation and um, as coaches we talk to our athletes all the time about the mental side of swimming and, and I guess a lot of it might come with maturity and stuff like that as well but you know with you as especially with all the events you said and how many backups and you've got to get ready for this and even you mentioned there um, potentially a bit of disappointment in in tokyo with your relay swim and feeling like maybe you didn't sort of go in with the right intent not that you didn't go in to, to do well but you, you maybe didn't you know get yourself ready for it or however it may have come across how important is it for you the mental side of swimming and maybe even to go back again the mental side of it preparing yourself in training you mentioned you, when you get behind the blocks you want to be ready to go and feel like you've done the work does it start in the pool at training does it start there with that mental battle between you and and dean as well or you and your, your training partners
1: yeah well i feel like there's so many areas to discuss in terms of this but I feel like it starts from the beginning. I mean, you start swimming as a school kid and you've got to learn how to be disciplined around training and school and hanging out with your friends and all of that. So it starts there. But then once you've kind of become a bit older, I think mentally, certainly you're putting your body under stress every day at training. But I think we'll find for the most part our body can handle it. It's more so having the mental capacity to be able to push yourself and squeeze that little bit of extra out of yourself every session because it's like that little squeeze of the sponge that you can get out of yourself that others aren't, it's, it's that's what gets you to the next level. If you're able to find that little bit extra every session, that adds up over time. And so that's mental, being able to get that out of yourself and have the ability to push yourself beyond what you think you're capable of. And so I think in some people you're born with that ability. Um, other people I think you have to learn how to do that um i feel like from a young age i've just really enjoyed the um grind and i i actually am quite i'm quite strange i actually enjoy training more than racing so um i enjoy that side of things trying to see what i'm capable of in training and 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 pushing myself beyond what i think i can do so that's one area where you really have to lock in mentally but then it's a whole other kettle of fish going to an international competition or Olympic trials or world championship trials and having the composure to put together something that you've trained so hard for. And I think that's something you definitely have to learn. Um, everyone deals with stress different ways. Everyone deals with pressure in different ways. I think I've learned how to turn the pressure into a good thing and I, and I actually enjoy it. Um, you know, for me in the position that I am in, I know that, Um, there's always going to be pressure surrounding my races now everyone's going to be wanting me to win everyone's going to be wanting to watch me perform for our country and so that's not going to go away so instead of like whinging about it um, I'm trying to use it in my best possible way and turn it into energy going into the races which I feel like I did this year Um, and at that point it doesn't matter what you've done at training you could have trained the house down and been the best trainer in your squad by far but in that week of racing if you can't keep it together um mentally it it just won't come together and so it's really important that you train your mind train your mind as much as your body
0: well oh, mate you've just took a very average question and made it sound really really good because you just gave a brilliant answer so <laughs> thank you very much for uh, making my question sound fantastic um i also had a flash forward to when you were saying that you um you you weird where you enjoy training more than you like racing and i could just see you being like um this older lady in like a boot camp where you still (laughs) want to be like the one who finishes the boot camp first because i i I don't i wouldn't imagine that sort of thing leaves you like you know even when you you know train with i can imagine like we see susie o'neill training at yuronga park and I could imagine, like, swimming next to her, I reckon if you got right next to her, she'd probably just lift her stroke rate just a little yeah, bit sure. more just, just to get on the wall first, which I, I could I could see, you know, I just had a flash forward. Um There's a lot of talk, or uh, well, there certainly was leaning into the world champs and definitely following the world champs, Uh, about your great coach Dean Boxall um, and and there was a lot of talk around pay rises and and rightly so I think and I'm not going to ask you to talk on pay rises but um, he continues to do a phenomenal job as I said 10 athletes on the team I think it was I think he even had um, Eve Thomas on the New Zealand team and all coming away with medals yourself Molly world records I mean it's it's a crazy effort all the other coaches did a great job too so I'm not downplaying them but When you stack your numbers up, this was a Herculean effort uh, on Dean's part. For you, though, personally, we mentioned climbing those mountains again and again. How integral is Dean in that process for you to undertake? And even now, sitting back going, all right, we're going up another mountain. We've got 11 months to go you know, how, how much do you lean on, on Dean for that? And, and how proud are you, you know, not just being an athlete, but being a friend now and, and that, you know, rapport you've built with Dean and looking at what he was achieving as a coach and going, Shit, that's, that's pretty good, mate. Well done.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think Dean, I probably trust more, more than anyone in my life. He's the only other person in the world that truly knows my goals and, you know, he helps me create them. So, in that sense, we have this immense level of trust and this bond that I don't really have with anyone else. And, um, yeah, I just – for anyone listening, the task to get 10 athletes onto a national team is just beyond. And to manage that the way he did, like I saw him for maybe two warm-ups the entire meet at Worlds because he was too busy watching other athletes race and, and running around like a headless chook trying to sort everyone out. And um, – just the amount of work that it takes to get that volume of that amount of people onto the team is crazy but I think for him and I leading up to Olympics next year it's just about you know we have such a foundation um as coach and athlete in our relationship in that sense but then like you said he's more so like um even a father figure in my life we're just so incredibly close that um we just work together so well. So I think that now, now as I'm getting older, our relationship has changed in the sense where when I was younger, you know, I came to him when I was 15, he would just do, say do this and I'd do it and yeah. I would do whatever he would say. Whereas now, um, now that I'm becoming more and more of an older athlete and understanding myself as a swimmer more and more, we kind of work together and come up with ways to get better together and we have more cl- collaborative conversations and I think We've started that process for next year, and um, he has ideas. I have ideas. I think his approach to me at training is probably a little bit different. He can't just be like, you know, going at me, yelling at me every day like he used to, because um, it, you know, it tends to get a bit old now. But um, I'm just really excited to work with him again going into the next one. I feel like you have to treat every Olympic cycle. Um, you know, like your life depends on it, like it's your last. Not that it is for people Mm. out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No (laughs) clickbait. Don't worry. This isn't clickbait. But um, (laughs) I think you have to treat it like that um, going into the next Olympic cycle.
0: Yeah, well, you and, you know, I'm imagining he still has those moments in him, as you said, when you were sort of feeling like you are sort of of going through the motions at times. I'm sure he he has his moments at times where he might go at you, but as you said, it might just be a one-off now rather than a a constant picking and making sure you're getting up because, as you said, and and for him as well, evolving and growing with you guys because he, he gets to see you guys evolve and grow, and then all of a sudden, you know, You've matured and and you've got feedback as well which is informed feedback too it's not just oh you know you know some of our 15 16 year old telling me what they think whereas when you're coming at it you're coming at it from experience and knowledge and so it's definitely more of a collaborative effort but congratulations to dean um, as i said and the whole staff there at, at st peters and there's even talks and mentionings of potentially if there's even 10 or more next time that maybe an assistant coach should be brought along for Dean to help with that process, which I can't argue with that. I don't see how how anybody could. Like, as you said, the poor guy's running. He's a fit guy, so, like, I'm sure he loves it anyway, but I'm sure by the end he's absolutely wrecked. So uh, it would definitely help. But, yeah, congratulations to the whole team. Now, the Aussies uh, on the whole, mate, smashed it, as I said, topped the, the gold medal count. Um, The girls in particular smashed it. The boys did well as well, but obviously the girls are at a whole other level in Australian world swimming at the moment. How proud are you to be a part of this team and, you know, you're creating, we spoke about it in terms of um, where swimming in Australia is at at the moment. We might not have seen this for probably 20 years. How proud are you that you're a part of that and not only, you're sort of a leader in that as well?
1: Yeah, it's kind of pinch yourself stuff. I mean, when you look back at the golden era of swimming, what, 20 years ago, and talk about those athletes back then, and then looking at it now, we're kind of getting the same results, and it's just crazy that um, I'm contributing to that, and I think this team just this year felt different. I mean, I've been on the national team since I was 16, and I remember what the the vibe and the culture was like back then, and then I feel like every year it's improved, and and Tokyo was great, and then... Um, last year was different for me. It was Commonwealth Games and it's a much bigger team. But this time round, it just felt like really great. I feel like we were all friends beyond swimming. You could kind of sit with anyone at, d- at the dinner table and have a real conversation with them. I think everyone genuinely wants everyone to do great. And then I think the results kind of spoke for themselves after the first day with the first, you know, with the first four gold medals. It just mm-hmm. kind of created this energy that people would draw from and you'd want to be a part of that. And you'd want to have it, you'd want to contribute to the metal tally and everyone wanted to swim for the team and swim for each other. And, but the crazy part was like, once we'd leave the comp pool, we'd go back to the hotel and have dinner together. And like, it would be like, we wouldn't, we weren't even there for the world championships. We'd just be chatting along like my best mates. And I feel like that's the shift in the team culture that we've had. And I just feel really grateful that I'm a part of this era. Um, and I've made these friends for life and um, I get to experience these memories with people. And um, yeah, it's just, it's a really proud moment, I think to be part of the dolphins at the moment.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with that first night in the full gold. Cause just having Kaylee on and I mentioned, I sort of asked her that same, Question. all right you know and she said oh well when when night one happened i realized like all right you know i, I want to contribute to this it's not as if she, they felt like they had to it was like they wanted to right yeah like, um you know the pressure wasn't there like oh i better it was more like oh oh now i, I want to be you know i want to do my bit for the team uh like they did on night one so you know you guys absolutely set the tone on night one and, and it was phenomenal to watch just from uh, a fan at home Um, What does the road to Paris look like for you? And, I mean, uh, this is always a tricky question with you because, as I said, I know um, Dean doesn't like to give too much away, but, you know, take me down the road as far as you can. Um, But there's world champs next year, which I'm assuming a lot of people might not go to. There's lots of different sort of deviations. What what does the road look like for you? And are you excited about that climb up the mountain again?
1: I mean, I think in terms of scheduling and training and Time at the pool, that type of thing—it's all going to be very similar to what I've done before. It's just about um, finding that, like I was saying before, like you, I guess you're like this sponge, and it's kind of trying to squeeze everything out of yourself. It's just been able to do more and more of that, more often, um, to get that extra edge, I guess. But I'm excited for this prep. I feel like training for an Olympic Games and training to go there and win is something that not many people in the world get to experience and as tough as it is when you're in it um, I think I'd look back on this time in my life and I'd regret it deeply if I didn't give it everything I have and so I'm going into this um, you know fully mentally prepared to push myself as much as I can and if there's a hundred stones to turn over I turn over a hundred and I'm just trying to go in with that mentality Um, and I'm excited to like you said go up the mountain again with Dean with my squad um it's exciting it's great to be a part of a group where we all kind of have common goals and we're working together um but I feel like this would be a different prep to Tokyo Olympics I was going into that I feel like I'd been on the team for a few years but as a first-time Olympian you're going in quite naive unsure what to expect um everyone tells you the Olympics is something else and it's on on another level but It's different once you get to actually experience it. And so having that experience um, and going into my second Olympics, I think is going to be different for me, Um, help me in a lot of ways. But also I feel like there's this added layer of pressure and expectation on me. Um, I feel like since Tokyo and especially these results um, this year, there's more and more expectation to perform for the country. And I think the swim team, I mean, we do it to ourselves, but the success that we've had this year is going to create incredible um, expectation around our performances next year. And I think we have to look at it as a privilege that we've done that and um, use it to try and perform. And um, I think we just have to be excited for that challenge.
0: Yeah, well, you're quite right. I mean, I've mentioned a couple of times on the podcast that – it's important that from a fan's perspective, media, everyone outside of the world is swimming, right, that we support you guys. We get behind you. We support you. But it's not pressure to, um, you know, I, I hate gold medal tally predictions. I hate all of that sort of stuff. I mean, just look at 2012 and and what happened there. And, and you know, I don't want off the back of the success at the World Champs for that to be created. Not that I think you guys would fall short of those expectations anyway, but it's just... As I said, it's not necessary. Just get behind them, support them, let let you guys know as athletes that we're behind you, we're there with you, and and that's all we need to be doing. Let's not be those crazy parents on the sideline like, that was supposed to be gold. Why didn't you get gold? Yeah. Just relax, people. Just get behind them, support them. Um, exactly. I'm excited as a fan. I, I think next year is going to be absolutely crazy with the talent and the level of talent that's about to collide because we've got all of those juniors at which we mentioned um, You know in this podcast that are going to be a year older and a year more mature and ready to go and then we've got you know you guys who have been there and done that and experienced and there's a target on your back but you love the target on your back so there's that experience as well um it's mouth-watering stuff and i get excited just to sit there as a fan as i said and watch um i think we'll wrap it up there because we've killed it and i don't want to ruin this with a shitty question at the end so uh thank you very much for coming (laughs) on for a chat mate it's a pleasure to always get you on and I've said this before, but I I am genuinely, um, you know, humbled the fact that you always are happy to jump on and have a chat with me, especially with the heights that you guys are getting to at the moment and the reach that you get and all the people that are pulling you left, right and center to come have a chat with you, the fact that you're still happy to jump on off the blocks and Talk to the, the younger athletes out there. It's not so much that you're talking to me, you're sort of talking through me to them, uh, which I love about this podcast. Um, and, and, you know, as I said, you guys are absolutely amazing for donating your time. You're a busy woman. As you said, you're moving. No one can see this, but there's stuff everywhere in her room at the moment. She's <laughs> packing. She doesn't want people to see this, but they're, they're everywhere. I won't show them, but it's everywhere. She's busy. She's got a lot of stuff going on, but she still made time to jump on and talk to uh the listeners out there so mate i absolutely appreciate it good luck over the next 11 months we'll stay in touch but if i don't get to have you on the podcast again good luck for it all i can't wait to see what you guys produce in 11 months and thanks for coming on off the blocks swimming podcast
1: thanks for having me
0: thank you today's episode of off the block swimming podcast is proudly brought to you by our great sponsors dmc fins DMC fins are the best training fins in the business. Just have a look around in everybody's kit bag on pool deck. And there's a pair of DMC fins in there. Swimmers, surfers, they're all using DMC fins as their choice of aquatic propulsion. Even superstar Cody Simpson is using DMC fins to help with his training towards Paris 2024. Head over to dmcfins.com.au right now for all the latest deals and discounts on fins as well as hand paddles and other training aids and use the promotion code OFFTHEBLOCKS for a 10% discount at checkout. Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you, as always, by Pro Swim Workouts. Nico and the team at Pro Swim Workouts have been supporters of the podcast from day one and continue to support the show And the coaching community more broadly with their platform, proswimworkouts.com. Head over to the website right now and become a member to receive all the exclusive content, whether it's programming, in and out of the water, thought-provoking articles, or even just sharing of ideas. It is a one-stop shop. And for all those just looking to browse, head over to proswimworkouts.com to find free workouts, podcast tips, jobs available, and so much more. So what are you waiting for? I'll say it one more time. Head over to proswimworkouts.com right now And let Nico know that Off The Block sent you.